0: If not, I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 49 and 50 is our scripture for this evening. Please turn there, and once you've found it, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's pray. O Lord, we ask you to please open to us your word and open us to your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you agree that your family needs more positive Christian influences? Would you agree that your friends and neighbors need more positive Christian influences would you agree that society in general needs more positive Christian influences the world needs more Christian influences not less that's why it's so important that we preserve our Christian influence and that's what we're going to talk about tonight the preservation of Christian influence we need more Christian influence around us not less we can't afford to lose our positive Christian influence so tonight we're going to talk about where that Christian influence comes from how it develops and how we preserve Christian influence in this chapter, Jesus has taught his disciples how they should receive even the lowliest of his followers and treat them with loving care. You remember, he took the small child, put the child in the middle of his disciples after they had all been talking about who's the greatest. He takes that child and puts it in the middle and he teaches them you've got to be servants you've got to receive even one like this little child one that the, the the world around would have considered insignificant a child in that day was not of age yet to be of any real value as far as working or anything like that so they weren't considered very significant and he said but you have to treat the insignificant with grout value and respect and then they told Jesus how a man was casting out demons in Jesus' name and they tried to stop him. And Jesus says, don't hinder this man. Don't hinder those who are serving in my name. Instead, help them. And then in verse 42, he warned them of the danger of causing anyone who follows Christ to stumble and fall in their commitment to Jesus. Think about this. What, what's the pattern here? You're to receive even the lowliest of followers of Christ. You're not to hinder any who follow Christ, but to help them. You're to make sure never cause them to stumble in their walk with Christ. What Jesus is talking about is the importance of influence. Their influence on others, particularly others who are Christians. He's teaching them that disciples of Christ are supposed to have a positive Christian influence on those around them. The problem the disciples had was a lack of humility. Their pride and their desire to be great would result in a negative influence on people, not a positive influence. And that's why Jesus is stressing to them that they must be humble. Let me me say it to you like this. Positive Christian influence requires positive Christian character. In other words, before they could have a positive influence on people around them, they had to have Christian character. That's why their lack of humility was such a hindrance to them having the right kind of influence on those. They didn't have humility and so they were having the wrong kind of influence on the others around them. It goes back to their character. If you want to have the influence Christians are supposed to have, you have to have the character Christians are supposed to have. Now, We know it's important that we preserve our Christian influence, that we not sacrifice our ability to influence others positively for Christ. But how is our Christian influence preserved? We're going to talk about that tonight. And here's the message. In a sentence, it is this. The influence of the Christian is preserved as the character of the Christian is purified. The influence of the Christian is preserved as the character of the Christian is purified. There are two things I want to show you that I pray will enable us to understand and apply the message of these verses. Here's the first thing I want to show you. The purification of the Christian's character. Verse 49. For everyone will be salted with fire. I need to say to you that this verse is one of the most difficult verses to make sense of in the New Testament. It is the most difficult verse to interpret in the book of Mark. There's a lot of different opinions about what exactly is the point of this verse. I'm going to give you the one that I believe makes the most sense in this context. Okay, I give it to you with humility, so you will understand there are others who might interpret it slightly differently. But I'm going to show with share with you what I think in context is the point Jesus is trying to make. Pretty much all Bible scholars are agreed that in this verse, Jesus is making a reference to Leviticus 2.13. Let me read to you what that says. Every grain offering of yours, moreover, you shall season with salt, so that the salt of the covenant of your God shall not be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall bring salt near. So in this verse we have the concept of salt and fire. The grain offering was, something, was a burnt offering. You burned it, okay? And so it brings these ideas of salt and fire together in the context of a sacrifice being made to God. So the image seems to be a, a burnt offering, a temple sacrifice. Now, an offering like this signified something that was totally and irrevocably Dedicated to God. Think about it. When you burn something, you couldn't get it back. It was irrevocably given to God. Completely. Permanently. Now the the idea in verse 49 of Mark 9 seems to be that it is the Christian himself who here is the sacrifice. Dedicated wholly to Christ totally and irrevocably and he says that everyone will be salted with fire in other words the sacrifice will and somehow undergo fire now in this instance fire is not the fire of judgment but the fire of purification now what is the fire of purification Well, it involves suffering. The the, the fire purifies, and it purifies by suffering. In other words, pain, difficulty, hardship. Let me give you a couple of Old Testament verses that might help. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 7. Therefore, thus says Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I will refine them And test them for what else can I do because of the daughter of my people. In other words, God is saying because my people are sinful, I have to refine them. And the way something was refined is by fire. Let me give you another verse that makes that clear. Isaiah 48 verse 10. Behold, I have refined you but not as silver i have tested you in the furnace of affliction okay a furnace is fire and you see here he associates it with affliction so the way god refined his people is by fire which is a symbol for affliction in other words god brought upon them pain and difficulty and hardship suffering in general in order to refine them in order to remove sin and make them more the people that He desired them to be. Now let me bring that into our context and you'll understand the point. Suffering is a tool that God uses to separate His people from sin and make them more like His Son. One of the primary ways that God gets sin out of our lives and transforms our character is through hardship and difficulty. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you read about how God gave the Apostle Paul a thorn in the flesh, some kind of difficulty, and God refused to remove it. And here's why. His purpose was to keep Paul humble and to teach him to rely on the strength of christ that's where he said your strength is your strength is made perfect in weakness in other words as you become weak through your suffering that's when my strength really shines in you his paul's suffering taught him to rely on the strength of christ and helped to keep him humble so what is god doing he's using suffering in paul's life to make him more like Jesus. Think about this. It's often in moments of painful desperation that believers really learn to pray. Amen? It's often when hardship drives you to your knees that you really develop the knack for really praying to God. Sometimes what it takes to rid you from some specific sin is for that sin to be followed by some Painful discipline in your life. Maybe there's some specific sin you're struggling with and you have a hard time breaking the pattern of in your life. God may follow that sin with some specific consequences that are hard and painful and that may be what it takes to break that pattern in your life. The time you spend in a hospital bed Maybe the time God uses to get your focus off of the world and on Him. Maybe you're so busy chasing the world, going and doing this, and so focused on all the things of the world that you neglect God and you haven't given God the time and attention that He deserves. And maybe God has to get you somewhere and put you on your back for a while to get you to focus on Him. It may be when you lose your job that God teaches you that you can trust Him with every single need. Well, I know that's true for us. When we came here, God reminded us over and over and over that He could be trusted to meet our every single need. But sometimes you don't learn that lesson until you face difficulty. Listen, character is developed through suffering. Suffering. Hardships make us humble before God. Difficulty makes us dependent on God. Pain teaches us to persevere for God. Listen, God knows that you will never develop the character of Christ if you remain comfortable all the time. To develop character, God's going to have to get you out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable to really develop Christian character. And so you know what God does because He wants us to have character? He sends suffering as a gift of His grace. I wonder if you've ever thought of it that way. Have you ever considered suffering could be a gift of God's grace in order for God to make you better in order for God to grow your character in Christ likeness In order for God to help you to know Him better and love Him more, God brings suffering into your life to grow you and develop you and transform you. You see what I'm saying? Because God knows that sometimes suffering and pain is the only thing that will really teach us. And because He loves us, He brings that pain and suffering to make us better. Angela worked for an accounting firm for a while in Brandon, Mississippi. And that job made her absolutely miserable. It wasn't the people she had trouble with, it was the work itself. She absolutely hated it. She looks back now on that season of her life, and she'll be the first to tell you that God was teaching her a very important lesson. And here's the lesson. God was teaching her how important it is for you to continue to do his will in the place he has put you no matter how hard it is. Sometimes God will intentionally put you in a difficult place. And you have to continue to do God's will in that season of your life no matter how hard it is. And that's what God was teaching her. That you have to continue to be faithful and trust him and do the hard thing. That's where God's put you. But see, she'd never learn that lesson unless she got in a place where God was making her uncomfortable. Listen, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to be willing to get uncomfortable. You have to be prepared to suffer. That's the purification of the Christian's character. Now, the next thing I want you to see in these verses is this. The preservation of the Christian's influence. The preservation of the Christian's influence. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Salt was a very important commodity in the first century. Salt had many, many uses. In a day when there was no refrigeration, salt was the primary way they preserved food, especially meat. It would be packed in salt, salt cured to preserve it. It was also used as a cleansing agent. It was used to flavor food, similar to the way we use it. It was used medicinally to treat certain ailments. Salt had many purposes. But what salt represents in this case is positive influence. Salt was used because of the influence it had. It had a preserving influence on meat. It had a healing influence on wounds. It had a flavor enhancing influence on certain foods. And when Jesus says, Salt is good. He talks about having salt in ourselves. He's talking about our positive influence as Christians. Salt is good. Look what he says next. If the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Now, pure salt cannot become unsalty. Pure sodium chloride cannot lose its saltness but you have to understand the salt used in palestine in jesus's day was not pure sodium chloride it was taken from around the dead sea this is how it happened you may know the dead sea is a sea where nothing can live because of the salt content is so high cuz water flows into the Dead Sea but there's no outlet there's nowhere for it to go so the salt just collects and nothing can survive in the Dead Sea but what happens is when when salt washes up on shore when the water washes up on shore it'll leave puddles or deposits of water well when the water evaporates because of the Sun all that's left is the salt content from the water that would be gathered and that was where their salt came from but here's the thing, it wasn't pure salt, it was mixed with a lot of other minerals. And what could happen is the salt could actually leach out of it. The part that was sodium chloride would leach out and it would leave this powder called gypsum. And it it was of no value. It wouldn't it was no use for anything. And that's what Jesus is saying. Once the salt is gone, you can't make it salty again it's of no value anymore what's the point if disciples of Christ are going to have a positive effect on society if we're going to have a positive influence on society we have to maintain our influence in other words, for us to have the impact on society we're supposed to have, our, our impact has to be preserved. We can't lose our saltiness, in other words. We have to guard our influence. That's why he says, have salt in yourselves. Maintain your Christian influence. Be people who are salty. Don't lose your influence for Christ. Why? Because if you lose your influence, you lose your effectiveness. And notice what he says. This seems to come out of the blue. Be at peace with one another. Well, this doesn't come out of the blue. I want you to remember how this whole line of conversation started. The disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. You remember? Then Jesus saw them and uh, rebuked them basically for arguing about who was the greatest. Then they tell Jesus how they tried to stop a man who was casting out demons in his name. This is what I want you to see. Their lack of humility was causing division among the followers of Christ. Because they were proud and arrogant and concerned about their own greatness, they were arguing among themselves and they were also separating themselves from another man who was trying to follow Jesus. You see, they were causing division. You with me? Their lack of humility was dividing followers of Jesus from one another. And what Jesus is saying is be at peace with one another. What's the point? What does it have to do with influence? What Jesus is trying to say is, your influence as followers of Christ should bring peace to the body, not division. Your influence should be positive. It should bring the people of God together, not alienate them from one another. Remember, Christ's primary concern in this section of Mark 9 is to impress on the disciples the need for humility and putting others ahead of themselves. He's already warned them about causing other people to stumble. What He's talking to them about is preserving their positive Christian influence. The disciples need to learn humility so they could have the positive influence Christ followers are supposed to have. So that they'll cause peace between God's people and not division. It's about their influence. The disciples need to learn humility for the sake of their influence. Now, here's where I'm going to connect this to the previous point. We talked about the purification of the Christian's character. How are the disciples going to learn humility? They need to have humility so that their influence will be what it ought to be. How are they going to learn humility? Through suffering. let me ask you a question what is it that destroys your influence as a Christian I'll give you a hint sin a failure to think and speak and act like Jesus is what destroys your Christian influence So, God purifies us through suffering so that we sin less and reflect more of the character of Christ. And what happens when we sin less and reflect more of the character of Christ? Our influence is preserved. Our influence is increased. The more we look like Jesus, the more our influence increases. The more God separates us from sin, the more our influence is preserved. you understand? God was going to bring suffering into their life to make them humble, to make them more like Jesus, so that they would have the influence and impact that they were supposed to on those around them God purifies your character through suffering thereby preserving and increasing your ability to positively influence those people around you let me see if I can say it to you like this you will have the influence of Christ only to the extent that you possess and display the character of Christ. You will have the influence of Christ only to the extent that you possess and display the character of Christ. In other words, if you're gonna have the influence of Christ, you have to be like Christ. What does God do to help us be like Christ? Hardship. He molds us, He shapes us. He puts us in the fire, not the fire of judgment, not the fire of punishment, the fire of purification, the fire to refine us. How do you purify gold? You put it in the fire to melt it because then the impurities float to the top and you can skim them off. But you can't do it without fire. The purifying fire of God is one of the tools God uses to make us more like Christ. And it's by doing that that he preserves our ability to influence others. I want you to think about this just a minute. Society is decaying right before our eyes. Small towns and big cities private corporations, and public institutions. They are all growing more rotten and putrid by the day. Our influence as Christians is the salt God uses to slow the rot and decay. We are what God has put in the world to work against the rot and the decay of a sinful society. It seems every new generation is drifting farther and farther from Christ. It is our influences as Christians that God uses to slow the drift. You understand? It's our positive Christian influences that is to slow the decay and rot of society. That is to slow the drift of society away from God. It's our Christian influence that is to heal the wounds of sin in society. It's our Christian influence that is to inject the flavor and savor of Christ into the world around us. It's our influence. That's what Jesus meant when he said you are The salt of the earth. Your influence. Listen, what I want to say to you tonight is this we cannot afford to lose our Christian influence because of flaws in our character. We can't afford to lose our influence because of flaws in our character. So I want to make three suggestions. Number one, ask God to make you more aware of the way you influence others. See, one of the things that's a problem is sometimes we don't take time to consider exactly how it is that we influence others. I'm telling you, you have an influence on people around you. Whether you think so or not, it could be negative or it could be positive, but you influence the people around you in one way or another. We ought to pray and ask God to make us aware of how what we do and say and think impacts the people around us. Make us aware that we're influencing people everywhere we go and everything we do. We need to realize that. Secondly, pray that God would preserve your influence by purifying your character. First of all, pray that God would grant you the awareness of your influence so you are aware that you have an influence, and you have the responsibility to have a positive influence. Secondly, pray that God would preserve your influence by purifying your character. Pray that God would make you more like Christ so that you wouldn't lose your ability to influence people for Christ and so that you would increase in your ability to have a positive impact for Christ. And here's my third suggestion. And this is going to seem counterintuitive. Thank God for the suffering that He uses to purify your character. Thank God for the suffering that He uses to purify your character. The world needs more Christian influence. It's what we said right from the start. That being the case, we cannot afford to lose our ability to have a positive influence for Christ. We need our ability to influence others to be preserved. The way that happens is when God purifies our character. So let's seek the the, the power of God in our lives to be more like Jesus, even if it takes suffering so that our character is preserved, so that our influence is preserved. Let's pray.